On today's episode. We walk through life, we make mistakes. Sometimes the mistakes are serious. And for a woman who, who says, well, I had an abortion, I thought it was okay, I was in high school, it was the middle 80s, the 90s, everything around me, we weren't going to church, now I'm going to church, now you're telling me I was wrong. Okay, you find forgiveness at the cross, the same as all the other sins. And Christians cannot be self-righteous over this, not one ounce self-righteous, because uh, in the end, arrogance will create you in the same boiling pot of damnation as um, as an abortion would without Christ. Welcome to the Life Challenges podcast from Christian Life Resources. People today face many opportunities and struggles when it comes to issues of life and death, marriage and family, health and science. We're here to bring a fresh biblical perspective to these issues and more. Join us now for Life Challenges. And welcome back. I'm Krista Potratz, and I'm here today with Pastors Bob Fleischman and Jeff Samuelson. And today we are going to do an episode as a reaction to the recent Dobbs case and the the verdict of the Supreme Court. And so we want to take some time to talk about that today, about what that what that means, what that means politically, what what has happened, what that means for us as Christians and just what we we can do uh, kind of going forward too from that. And so I guess where I maybe kind of want to start today is just Bob with you. I mean, having worked now in this pro-life arena for probably longer than I have been alive. I feel so much better now. (laughs) What is your reaction to this recent verdict from the Supreme Court. Well, I can't imagine uh, advocacy for life to be anything but uh, elated over the decisions. It's been over the years, Watched, I've, I've been in the meetings, I've listened to the strategies, I've, I've heard the conversations, I've read the books. Everything has been leading up to this. The only thing that could have been better was to declare a right to life that extends from conception onward. And uh, nobody was realistically expecting that. But uh, when they held out, when this case was leaked in December, and they held out the prospect that Roe v. Wade could actually be overturned, uh, everybody was always getting excited. So on on a very positive note, you know, unborn children, lives will be saved. But uh, there is a negative side to this, too, and that is that I, first of all, I, I worry when I see people getting almost gaudy in the way that they're celebrating Christians have to remember that these are all the mechanisms of the world. This is how the world works, and these are the world's tools of trying to keep people safe and so forth. So we're happy for measures that do that. But the people who want these things, the people who want the right to take a life, are also our mission field. Those are the people that need to know Christ. So I, I would say I, I temper the enthusiasm only with being mindful of what we're all about, and that is uh, ministering to souls. So, Jeff, can you describe for us a little bit about what the Supreme Court case means now? Well, just as uh, 
the original Roe v. Wade decision back in 1973 legalized abortion throughout the United States. Technically, what it did was it declared invalid all the state laws that restricted abortion uh, throughout the United States. Just as that's that was the effect of Roe, the effect of Dobbs here is basically saying Roe was uh, wrongly decided, and it so therefore it removed everything that Roe held to, which means that basically the decision now on abortion matters goes back to the individual states and, and, and territories and the District of Columbia too and getting figured in there. So it, it basically, it, it hasn't made any new law. In fact, we, we would say that it undid the new law that was made by Roe v. Wade. Yeah, this Dobbs decision, basically, the Supreme Court took the, the occasion to um, state that no, those federal permission structure for abortion no longer exists. And now it's all back to the individual states. When you watch the news, as I have the last few few days, a few weeks, it really, you just see so many angry people on the news, so many people that are not happy about this decision. You hear comments about, well, we're just going back in time now, or this is terrible for women. And I just, I I guess I don't even know how to feel sometimes like when I watch that too, just with all of, of the anger there. What is your response to the people that do just seem to be very upset by this decision? I, I would say on, on most every Supreme Court decision, I could find people that would declare it to be the worst decision in the world and Thought, well, in fact, you see that rhetoric all the time. I mean, uh, I, perhaps, and I know that this is a, uh, might be deemed a heretical thing for a head of the pro-life group to say, but the uh, perhaps even a bigger decision was the the decision on the the coach being able to pray at the fifty yard line, uh, a religious freedom question settled by the court, and yet. I could find people who will tell you it's the worst decision. It's going to lead to the demise of America. And that's, that's the nature of this. And then, of course, everything gets amplified through media and amplified through social media. I, I get a kick out of the, this morning, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel has found three women who have had abortions. And so now we're going to tell their story. Now, if the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel felt that the way we do, and that is that that it was wrong to, to permit women to take the lives of unborn children. I bet you that they would have an article on three women who are celebrating this victory. You know, it, so a lot of times what what is being communicated here is just the natural bias that exists uh, in, in our medium and the way we, we communicate. Yeah, Jeff, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, sadly, one of the you know, reactions I have just with watching the protests and all the things that, you know, some, some of the supposedly neutral observers of the press with newspaper page, front pages are just all talking from very one, one, one perspective on, on the decision or whatever. But I think there are going to be all sorts of advocates for abortion, women who think that this something horrible has been done, this right has been taken away from them, are going to be surprised when they go home to their state and find out that, no, they can still have abortions if they want. The whole idea of this decision has been lost on them in many cases, that it's it's not actually like just at a, at a stroke the Supreme Court has eliminated abortion in the United States. It's still going to happen in the states where it's legal. 
and it's still going to happen in a lot of the states where it's not legal or is restricted more because there are chemical abortions. You can get the prescriptions by mail. Some of the women in some of those states are going to cross state borders to another state to you know to get the abortion. It, it, abortion isn't over by any stretch in, in these United States. We do rejoice that this means that our going to be fewer abortions, fewer children killed in the womb. But it, our, our work is far from over. And, uh, you know, as much as we cheer this victory, it is only a first step victory. It's, it's one battle, uh, not the end of the war. And when you mentioned to cheering that victory as well, that kind of maybe leads into a question that I have had too, of just maybe how much rejoicing should a Christian do in this moment? I mean, should we be happy for the the lives saved? And I think you kind of mentioned we should, but is there a point that we are maybe too too pompous about that? Or, you know, what what do you kind of feel like we should take away from this. I've always been very concerned about seeing this extreme reaction from some of the pro-life groups. You know, first of all, just keep this in mind. People are ideologically minded more so than they are theologically minded. So they don't want to talk about what God says about it. They just, they just see it as what, what, what was important for them. And because they're ideologically minded, Anytime any of us have bought into an ideology that we have lost a component of it, it's going to be troublesome. And uh, if they were wrong in their ideology, we got to ask ourselves how do we how do we mitigate and alleviate the angst that they're having over having lost something that they saw as ideologically their own? And you do that not by rubbing their face in it. But you do it by trying to, to work with them, trying to, you know, and I was interviewed by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and I just said, I, th- I think it becomes important for us to step to the plate now and help women, you know, live with the choice uh, of having a child that does not die by an abortionist knife. Uh, we got to help them, We've, and whether it means doing like what we do at New Beginnings with a home for single mothers, whether it mean, means a paternity homes, practical assistance, Whatever we can do, this isn't a spigot that we just turned off. There's always going to be consequences. So I, I, and I know I, I don't want to be the, uh, the killjoy in all this, but I just feel that overreacting with too much exuberance is going to be interpreted in a very wall building way and not a bridge building way. Yeah, I, I I think rejoice absolutely over this. I mean, I I was I won't say I was crying tears of joy, but my eyes were watering when the news came down. But uh, yeah, that's something for within our circles for when we're offering our thanks to God for answering the prayers of millions upon millions of of Christians over the the last fifty years. But it's not something to take out into public or onto Facebook or with your, uh, your, your friends who are not of the same opinion on things and do an in your face kind of victory dance. That's, that's going to put up the walls. And, uh, for two reasons, we wouldn't do that. One is the practical one. Our, our, the fight isn't over yet. We still have people we need to convince. Being all in your face is, is, is not going to convince anybody to, to, to see your side of things. In fact, it's going to harden them against it. And then there's the, the, the spiritual one, uh, which, which Bob already mentioned. The, these are people that, that, that we want to 
in, introduced to the joys of, of, of life with, with Christ. And again, if we're, if we're making them feel bad, um, you know, they're not going to want to listen to anything we have to say about Jesus. Now, moving forward, as probably our, our listeners, pro-life Christians, that want to do something now, what should or can people do, both individually and also as a church? Well, there's multiple fronts to be involved on. Diane and I have have supported Wisconsin Right to Life for years, and I've served on the board of directors. I've been head of their education committee. We are going to continue to support them. We'll probably increase our support for them because this battle does just shift over to the state. So there's a battle legislatively and politically. And so when Wisconsin Right to Life does their educational efforts, we support that. So I would say people should be looking at their secular potent pro-life groups and and support them. Of course, you know, supporting CLR and supporting New Beginnings, our home for mothers, are positive ways to make a difference. We're, we're expanding the need for volunteerism and getting involved in your congregation, putting on Life Sundays. Sometimes we can we can mute the over-exuberance by just simply coming back and saying, but let's now do something positive. We don't need to just be celebrating. Let's Let's step forward. Let's do something in our community. Let's help with the food bank. Let's help. We've got single mothers in our congregation. Let's help them. I mean, they made a bold decision in a time where everybody thought it was okay to kill your unborn child. And continue to to actually act like life means something and, uh, and support, continue to support alternative to abortion programs. What Jeff said is correct because people ideologically think simplistically they're simply saying we lost the right to abortion all this which is nonsense the right to abortion continues to exist wisconsin wisconsin right now has a governor and a, an attorney general who says we're not going to even enforce the law so we're not going to pro- prosecute anybody and the governor says i'll grant clemency so right now our leadership our political leadership are are fine being criminals you know in the way that they want to act they'll aid and abet crimes you know but the uh but then around here, you can go to uh, the governor of Minnesota said the same thing. You know, you can go down to Illinois where it's uh, and striving to have the title of being the unborn child killing capital of the state. So, you no know, offense to our Illinois listeners, right? Yeah, <laughs> it has to bother them as well. You know, but but I mean that's kind of the nature of the game. So what what the Supreme Court said is there is no constitutionally guaranteed right to an abortion. There is none. And if anyone took the time to read the ruling, the logic holds up. The logic is very tight. And if anybody read any of the historical stuff written after the original 1973 ruling, legal scholars were saying the same thing. This was It was simply the Supreme Court taking on the legislative role by introducing trimesters, by introducing different notions and restrictions and so forth. That's the rule, the role of state legislatures. And so the Supreme Court just said, we didn't obliterate abortion. We're simply saying all that kind of regulation stuff, that goes to the state level. That's not not something that's in the Constitution. Jeff, do you have any other recommendations that people or churches can do to get involved? One of the interesting comments I read was that this decision in Dobbs kind of exposes a lot of people in our in politics and just in society in general 
people who had been able to say, yeah, we're pro-life, and it didn't really mean anything because they, uh, there was no option of really having to deal with pro-life laws because the law of the land under Roe was that abortion is permitted. And was making the point that now that that cover has been lost, there are a lot of people who are suddenly actually going to have to put their money where their mouth is you know, to actually take a stand one way or the other. And I think to a certain extent that applies within the church to Christians. There have been a lot of people who have just been like, yeah, you know, yeah, I understand abortion's not a good thing, but you know, what can we do? Been legal for you know almost 50 years. What can we do about it? Well, you know, there always was something that could be done, but now I think the rubber's meeting the road. There's a lot more to be done, whether you live in a state where abortion is going to be permitted or encouraged. I, you know, apparently in California, they're looking to have a, a an amendment to the state constitution establishing a right to abortion. And I think uh, Vermont is also doing the same, uh, one of the other, the eastern states. Whether you're in one of those states or one of the states uh, like Texas where, hey, there's not going to be abortion in this state after this, regardless of what it is. CLR has had a, a network of pregnancy care centers. If you happen to live somewhere where we've got one, volunteer, donate, do the things that help there. If you happen to live in an area where we don't have a center, Maybe consider starting one or restarting one of the ones that had been closed. These are centers, they're pregnancy help centers, places where women uh, who are not, now they're not going to be able to get abortions in many of these states. Uh, but even if they're in a state where they can get them, they can go there, they can get help. They can get the, not just the message, but also the means that says, okay, you don't have to abort your child. Here, here are options. We'll help you keep your child and, and, you, you don't have to worry about that. We're behind you, and most of all, God loves you, and, and he's going to help you as well. So those are practical things that can be done there with donations, with volunteering. And you know, I forget whether Bob mentioned you know, New Beginnings, our home for mothers uh, here in Milwaukee. Uh, there's plenty of support that can be offered there as well. And then just generally in your congregation, think about it. If a young mother, well, it doesn't have to even be young. <laughs> if a mother were to come into your congregation right at the end of the service on Sunday morning, uh, and once the service is over and she sees things have calmed down a little bit, if, if she were to say, I am three months pregnant, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was thinking of trying to find some way to get an abortion. What can you do for me? to help convince me that that's not necessary and there are better choices for me. What would you as a congregation do? What would you as an individual member of that congregation do? When you think through that, then start saying, oh, okay, well, what are the practical lessons for me there? What, what am I actually going to do? What's my family going to do? One of the things we always try to do is really go back to what the Bible says and and look at at Scripture too. And so, what are some some things that we can draw on from Scripture when thinking about the Roe v. Wade being overturned? Well, the book of James, I mean, the idea is that putting your faith into action. And yeah, well, and part of it too is I, I think of 1 Peter um, the 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. And you look hopeful. Think of it, and it's hard to do this, but think of it from the perspective of the other side. Ideologically, you've been conditioned for almost 50 years to believe that you have a constitutional right 
It's your constitutional right, your freedom, to do with your body as you see fit. And the Supreme Court said, I, I'm sorry, that's you've been taught wrong for 50 years. And this is this is an awful lot to swallow. So I think when when we approach people, when when you know, because that's I think one of the questions that we got to talk about is how how do you handle this? Uh, I, you know, I I got an email from a pastor not too long ago saying, how do I explain this to my congregation? I think there are some here who, who who felt that they were pro-life, but that the Supreme Court went too far. And and you get those kinds of arguments. Again, they're not understanding what the court was doing. You know, they're, they're thinking ideologically, not judicially, let alone theologically. There are some people that obviously feel that it's, it's wrong to kill a child and look at this being overturned as as kind of that like okay well you know it's it's wrong to to kill a, a baby there are other people though that i feel that are just more on the whole uh, constitutional right like it's a woman's right to do what she wants with her body is what we always hear and so it's those people and i agree with you too, Bob, being conditioned for 50 years where the law has said, yeah, you have that right. And now they they don't have that right. And those are the people too that I I wonder how you reach those people because those people are the ones that I kind of mentioned earlier that just seem to be so upset. And just adding to that, there there is a theological, spiritual aspect to that as well, that if for 50 years you've been told, no, this is a perfectly fine thing to do. You shouldn't feel guilty about having an abortion. Even if you're like, well, yeah, I know my church says it's wrong, but everybody else says it's okay. And okay, well, maybe I'll go ahead with this anyway. You still have some kind of like cover for your conscience when you're saying, well, it can't be all that bad if society says it's okay. That's now been removed. And that means, again, it's going to be kind of a rubber meets the road for a lot of people. It's like, um, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe it's not a, the abortion that she had, but maybe it's the one that her best friend or sister had or, you know, that her, her mother had after she was born. And she said, that's two is enough. And the third one mm -hmm. didn't, you know, whatever it might be. Suddenly there's a reckoning with that of, okay. This isn't necessarily something right. I can't, I don't have the cover of society necessarily say, and the law saying it was right. And so that, that's going to be an additional factor of so like, what, why, how do we talk about this? How do we make sure that we deal with not just the intellectual arguments, but the emotional, spiritual ones as well? One of the questions that you do encounter with, with people on this is, I believe in the right to life. I believe that abortion is wrong. I just, I just think as a matter of public policy, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be governing it. And really, that's what the Supreme Court has said. As a matter of go government policy, we shouldn't be declaring that it's a constitutional right because the Constitution doesn't grant the right. Because I, I think you've mentioned too, like how many times the court has overturned itself, and then just maybe like the emotional impact of okay, I was doing something that was deemed legal, and now it's not legal. Maybe how to help somebody who's going through that process, and how many times has this happened in the past where we have changed the law that way? Yeah, it's it's difficult. You know, unfortunately, in many cases where, where things like that have happened on the more momentous level, the, the churches have been just as caught up in the error, uh, you know, erroneous way of thinking as, as their members have. 
can think of, you know, there, there, there weren't too many churches in the South, for instance, that once slavery was basically as a result of the civil, civil war, you know, it was no longer allowed that were suddenly preaching and teaching to everyone that not only is it wrong to have held slaves, but these people are absolutely your equals and you should treat them as such. And some of the other decisions that civil rights areas, you know, they're, they're, Tragically, we're still churches preaching that there is a difference between the races and we whites are, are superior and, you know, the, things should continue that way. And, but obviously we don't want to be that way. We, we want to be better than that. Uh, I think most of the churches that are, um, have opposed abortion as, as wrong are going to consistently continue to say that. And I don't think there are going to be many churches on the other side of the issue that are going to turn around now and say, oh, well, I guess things have changed, so we're we're going to change how we teach about that. We certainly wish, but what what that really comes back to is we need to emphasize with Christians that we're working with the Word of God. Yes, there's plenty we can appeal to modern science and all sorts of things to say that okay, taking the life in the womb that is improper, that is immoral, that's a real human life there. But when we're dealing with Christians, or at least with people who, who claim to be Christians, we can go to the Word of God. And uh, we can make the case for them there. And then it's not just them, their opinion versus our opinion. They're, they're having to deal with what God himself has to say. And, and that's really the Holy Spirit's means by which he's going to change hearts and minds. An, another thing to be, uh, you know, that we as Christians, as uh, people who have been pro-life all along, are, are going to want to remember is just the, the sensitivity. If you're dealing with somebody who felt fine about having had an abortion and now no longer feels fine about it, first of all, that's, that, that's progress, uh, in the right direction. But we want to be sensitive. Scripture talks about not extinguishing a, a smoldering wick or, uh, it talks about bruise, damaging a bruised reed. Basically, it's saying we want to be sensitive to, with people. We don't want to hit, hit somebody who, you know, says, well, yeah, I, I actually had an abortion 15 years ago and now I'm feeling bad about it. Or my sister did and, and I'm not, I was supportive, but now I don't know what I should say. We don't want to hit them over the head with the law. Yes, the law has a place in, in establishing the correctness of what their, their conscience is now telling them. But we want to be ready with the gospel. Point out that, yeah, there, there is forgiveness for, for every sin, and that includes yours. And that gospel then is going to be the power that they need, uh, that we all need, to not only feel forgiven, but to move forward in life and do better and uh, be entirely the, the new creature in Christ that we have been made. Court said, you know, the one of the failures of, of the Roe uh, decision in '73 was that uh, it allowed it allowed one side's argument of potential life to reign over the possibility or probability or what we now know scientifically to be the reality that it's actual life. And the, the, um, in the ruling, um, Alito says that we've we've fobbled a few times trying to trying to define you know viability didn't work because as technology improved the line for viability kept moving back and you come to a point where the pro-abortion movement shot themselves in the foot back in the 80s already by recognizing okay granted in an abortion a child dies but see what had happened in the abortion rights movement i think is being dishonest with itself and that is they're not acknowledging the fact that what they were arguing for and what they are arguing for is the right to kill, 
We're not talking about they, – they like to frame it like we're arguing for a woman's right to control her own body. But that's not what we're talking about. If that's all we were talking about, the court and the court even acknowledges that. You know, we rightfully don't don't get into those areas. You know, we don't. You know how how you undergo your medical care and so forth. For the most part, we'd stay out of it. But the moment you start crossing the line and saying the way I take care of my body is that we need to kind of eliminate you, that becomes a problem. And one of the problems that we have, and this is in all areas of life not just the abortion issue, and this is on both sides of every argument, and that is all of us have a natural resistance to considering the possibility that we might have been wrong. Granted, I got involved in pro-life stuff in 1976. I, when I give presentations, I always say to everybody, well, what, what in the world was I doing from 1973 to 76? Was I saying it was all right? Was I just being apathetic? Was it was ignorance bliss? You know, the, the point is, is that I was wrong. I was wrong for not being concerned. I was wrong for not listening. I was wrong for looking at the headline and only thinking that LBJ had died, and which happened on the, the same day, and, and ignoring the story about abortion. And all of us are imperfect. We walk through life. We make mistakes. Sometimes the mistakes are serious. And for a woman who who says, well, I had an abortion. I thought it was okay. I was in high school. It was the middle 80s, the 90s, everything around me. We weren't going to church. Now I'm going to church. Now you're telling me I was wrong. Okay. You find forgiveness at the cross, the same as all the other sins. And Christians cannot be self-righteous over this. Not one ounce self-righteous because uh, in the end, arrogance will create you in the same boiling pot of damnation as um as an abortion would without Christ. And another reason for pro-life Christians to not be taking a, a victory lap here and saying, okay, you know, we can rest now all our work is done is that this is not the only life issue. Abortion is not the only life issue. Yes, a lot of the other things that have come up with euthanasia and assisted suicide and things like that, the arguments were built on the same arguments and the same philosophy that permitted abortion. But those things still continue, and they're still very live issues. And it's important to um, to remember that you know there's there's still a lot a, a great need uh, for Christians to stand up and proclaim the value of life, not just at the beginning, but also at the end and, and everything in between. Yeah, I was reading a story on this, and, and people were saying, where were you you know, when you heard about abortion becoming legalized? And then the question, where were you when you heard that the, the court ruling came down overturning Roe v. Wade? And to be honest, uh, my reaction was disappointing to me. I mean, I thought that I'd want to be doing cartwheels. I thought that I would be very excited. And I remember I had some of the staff was in the office, and she had some things that she needed me for and everything. And I said, I'm sorry, I need to go outside and walk around a little bit because I I was terrified. We had just gotten word three days earlier that our uh, pregnancy care center in one of the states was vandalized. We had the, the main uh, picture, two windows in the front, were busted, the window in the back was busted, graffiti on it. And this has been a problem that has been going throughout the United States and has been continuing. And I, quite honestly, I was concerned. I was concerned for safety, the safety of all of our people that work in the centers and so forth. And I remember I knew I was going to get a phone call because the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel had talked to me ahead of time. 
and said we'd like to contact you. And and sure enough, while I was standing outside, um, the reporter did call. But my my problem is is that everything gets misinterpreted. You know, the Supreme Court ruling got misinterpreted by people. They 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 immediately you know the advocates for abortion said they overturned abortion. That was a misinterpretation. And but then they run with it. The media definitely gets many awards for misinterpreting. But the um, the greatest sadness was the um, the fact that Christians who rejoice at the protecting and saving of life would miss the opportunity to step forward and say, "Let me help you live with the decision." And and we do this. And and we did this in 1993 when we opened our home. For single mothers, we're doing it today as we're looking to relocate it and expand it, and there may be calls for more of it. And I think this is the one of the things that we can all be doing is supporting efforts like this. If it's not our effort, somebody else's effort, because you know the demographics in the United States has changed dramatically since 1973. We have working mothers. We have who have bought into a lifestyle that if my birth control didn't work, if I you know, went too far, whatever it is, and I became pregnant. Society was reclassifying the terminating of an unborn child's life as just another form of birth control or reproductive right. Now the Supreme Court says, I'm sorry, you have been reading it wrong, and you have been reading it wrong. There is no constitutional right to take a child's life. So, but already we've adjusted our lifestyle to it. And so I think we have to look at ways to help with that, better child care, better support for child care, those kinds of things I think would all be steps in the right direction. Well, it really does seem like there is plenty of opportunity for Christians to to get involved. Is there anything that we should end on for today? I would just say look for opportunities to serve. This was just simply another milestone marker in the road of protecting life and speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves and sharing the gospel. Well, thank you both for everything for today. And we want to thank all of our listeners too. And all of you that have prayed for the the reversal of this decision and have worked in the the movement too. We, we thank all of you as well. And we look forward to seeing everybody back next time. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Life Challenges podcast from Christian Life Resources. Please consider subscribing to this podcast, giving us a review wherever you access it, and sharing it with friends. We're sure you have questions on today's topic or other life issues. Our goal is to help you through these tough topics, and we want you to know we're here to help. You can submit your questions as well as comments or suggestions for future episodes at lifechallenges.us or email us at podcast at christianliferesources.com. In addition to the podcasts, we include other valuable information at lifechallenges.us, so be sure to check it out. For more about our parent organization, please visit christianliferesources.com. May God give you wisdom, love, strength, and peace in Christ for every life challenge.